thank you to Kenneth Copeland Ministries for sowing the airtime for this broadcast. There's enough power in every sick room and in every hospital room to raise up that sick one that may be describing you. Yes, you yes. may be in a sick room. Yeah. You may be in a hospital room. And I want to remind you, power is present. That power is there to do a work. Believe in what's present, not try to get something, but notice that he's already made it yours. It's present right where you're at. Say, I receive that power. I receive that power. I receive it right now. I receive it right now. From the top of my head. The top of my head. the soles of my feet. The soles of my feet. We are so glad you're joining us today for Jesus the Healer. Welcome, and we invite you, expect to receive today. Release your faith and uh, become students along with us. The studio audience, we're here, we're hungry, we're ready to receive, we're ready to draw on what God has for us. And we encourage you, get your Bible and get something to take notes with because you don't want to miss writing down something that God will say to you because God has help and answers for our life. When we pray before these broadcasts, we pray and believe God for answers for your life. So you just expect that. Amen. We've been taking a couple of places where we're starting with in this series. And one of the first statements that we've referred to is something that Brother Copeland says, and he makes this statement, the will of God is your wealthy place. Meaning everything is easy in that place of what belongs to you. Um, If I could say this, the will of God is the position where things can reach us easily. Um, Probably most of you, I would say, have a cell phone, right? Um, Have you ever gotten out of range to where you can't get a signal? And although you've got a phone, although you've got a service plan, it's not working for you. (laughs) Why? Because we're out of position. The will of God is the position where we get a free unhindered flow of our inheritance that moves easily into our life as we release our faith for it. No, it's not automatic. We have to release our faith, right? But we should have a flow that's unhindered and the will of God is our wealthy place, meaning that in the will of God, every arena is enriched, not just finances. Of course, it would include finances, but what about our health abounds? What about our family is blessed and increasing? Our business is thriving. Amen. In the will of God is where all those things things happen at optimum. Outside of the will of God, we can struggle unnecessarily. And so God has a plan for our life. He has something for us to fulfill and we're interested in that plan, right? Amen. Uh, the, The scriptures that we're referring to in this series is found in Acts chapter 20 and verse 22. So go with us if you would. Acts chapter 20 and verse 22, Paul is letting us see the steps and not only the steps, the mindset of faith, the mindset of someone whose mind is renewed with the word. Notice how they approach opposition and how they approach um, the fulfilling of God's plan. So Acts chapter 20, verse 22, Paul writes, and he says, And now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem. Now, 
as we've said in the previous episodes, and listen, we invite you to go back and watch previous episodes because we can't restate everything, but we don't want you to miss it. So he said, I go bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem. What's Jerusalem? Well, for Paul, it was a location, but for us, it's where did God tell you to go? Where did God tell you to be? That's, that's what God is speaking to you, where he wants you to be. So notice how Paul approached where God told him to go. How did God approach, how did Paul approach where God told him to be? I go there bound, not in bondage but bound. What's that? Committed. I have set myself in agreement with where God has told me to go, where what God has told me to do. I set myself in agreement and not just outwardly, Mm -hmm. but he said, I go bound in the spirit. This is something, an inward agreement. And, um, in, in saying this, we're really not equipped to go as we ought to where God told us to be without being bound. I mean, we need to be committed. I'm, I'm going to do what God said to do. I'm, I'm not entertaining. What if I'm not entertaining options? If this is what I have in my heart that I'm clear about that the spirit of God has told me to do, directed me to do, it is my joy and my responsibility to be consecrated to it, committed to it. I'm bound to it. Amen. Bound people don't drift off in a storm. When opposition comes, those who are bound and committed, they're not, you know where they're going to be. They're going to be where they ought to be. A storm doesn't displace them. So Paul said, behold, I go bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem. That's the first thing. He shows us five things. The first thing is I go bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem. Look at this, not knowing the things that shall befall me there. Save this or accept, I do know this. The, the Holy Ghost witnesses in every city. And the only thing he's telling Paul is this, bonds and afflictions abide you. He's not saying good for you. You know, when you get there, there's going to be a whole, a whole lot of believers that are just going to do everything they can to make your stay comfortable. You know, they're going to bring their faith. He's not even talking about that. What is the Holy Spirit talking about? There's going to be opposition. Why? Because God makes us the head and not the tail. Now, if you look at the head, you look at an animal, the head, the tail, what comes in the room first? The head, (laughs) right? Most, it should. Let me say it should. (laughs) By design, it should. The head, that means you're in front. You're not the tail. You're not behind. The Holy Spirit was keeping, putting Paul in front and keeping him up front by letting him know what he was going to face when he arrived at Jerusalem. That's called, I'm in front of this thing. And if I get in front of it, I can get my faith in front of it. Too many times we leave our faith tucked back at the backside of our life. No, we need to keep it right at the front of our life, at the front of our tongue, ready to say faith. The front of our thought life, thinking faith thoughts. Amen. So that's why the Holy Spirit would say to him, there's bonds and afflictions that abide you. Now, uh, let's let's back up a, a couple of a couple of statements here because I want to again reiterate there, these five things that Paul said, so that he could arrive. 
In fact, let me just, how about I, I read the passage and then I go back and do that. Yeah, let's do that. Verse 23, save the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. Verse 24, but none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself. Look at this, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord. And then he tells uh, part of that ministry to testify the gospel of the grace of God. So he's saying that I'm, I'm going to fulfill the ministry of the word yeah. that's entrusted to me. Yeah. This is what we want to be able to say. I finish my course with joy. Amen. Yes. So he's given us five things that he has put in place to make sure that he arrives at this reward of finishing his course with joy. Yes. We don't arrive at the finish um, accidentally. Yes. We don't float to the finish of joy accidentally. We get there on purpose. Yes. So he said, I go bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem. The second thing he said, see, we have to be committed committed to what God said. The second thing he said is he said, not knowing what shall befall me. Faith people, people that are following the spirit of God, we move ahead not knowing. We have to be willing to move with God into the unknown because although uh, certain facets of that plan are unknown to us, it's all known to God. And so we're following him. We're not following ignorance. We're not following, if I could say this, risk. We're following someone who knows. Amen. So just move with what you do know. And what you don't know will unfold. But only as, you, as we make movement in what we do know. So number one, he says, I go bound in the spirit under Jerusalem. I'm committed. I agree inwardly and I agree outwardly. I'm going to stay with it. Number two, I'm willing to move, although I'm willing to move ahead, although I don't know everything about where I'm going. I don't know all the facets. I don't know all the features of this plan, but I know enough to move ahead. Amen. When a man is willing to move into the unknown, he's going to have miracles. When he's willing to move with God at the leading of the spirit, he's going to be a channel that God can flow through in a mighty way. Uh, a man who's willing to move into the unknown at the leading of the Holy Ghost will change a family, rewrite the outcome of that family, rewrite the story of that family, will have an effect in a city and can change a nation. We've seen those in church history who they were willing to move with God into the unknown by faith. And when they did, whole nations were affected because of it. Amen. We also see this, that when we are willing to move with God into the unknown, we're willing to move into a labor. Noah labored for a hundred years around the unknown. He didn't, he'd never been on a boat, never even knew what a boat looked like. God had to give him all the dimensions because we don't know, we don't have a boat ministry. And he was willing to start a boat ministry, move into the unknown to rescue humanity. Amen. So a man who is willing to move into the unknown, God can take him in places other men will never agree to. The third thing we see that Paul listed in this passage I go bound in the spirit. I'm willing to go not knowing. And then he said this, save the Holy Ghost witnesseth. He held to the witness of what the spirit said to him. 
no matter what people tried to talk him out of going. We have record in the book of Acts that those who ministered to him, that they tried to talk him out of going to Jerusalem because they said, bonds and afflictions are waiting you, uh, biting you. Don't go there. They tried to persuade him. But see, he held to the witness of the Spirit. No matter who goes or who doesn't go with you, no matter who agrees or doesn't agree, you hold to the witness of the Spirit. That's the only way you will arrive at the finish with joy. Uh, there are a lot of people that will not understand the decisions you make when you're following the Spirit, but that's okay. And you know what? We don't, get, we don't become, if I could say this, upset with people who would oppose us because they didn't hear what we heard. When God speaks something to you, others aren't hearing that. And so that's why we want to make sure that when we stand before Jesus, we say, I went with what you told me, not with what people who didn't hear you told me. Amen. If we're going to finish with joy, we hear and we stay with the witness of the Spirit. Amen. When you go not knowing, how do you know when to stop the witness of the Spirit? How do you know where to go? When my husband was driving through Southern California and God told him, come back and start a church in Southern California, he didn't say the city. We didn't know where. But Ed was driving along the 15, the I-15 that goes from San Diego into LA area. And he's, as he came across this Temecula, Murrieta Valley, the Spirit of God witnessed, have the church here, start the church here. It wasn't a voice, it was a witness. Yes. And what we have intact today is because someone was obedient to follow the witness Amen. of the Spirit. Amen. Amen. The Holy Spirit is a safe guide. Yes. Learn to recognize how He's leading you. Learn to follow the peace that you have inwardly. Sometimes you can have an inward peace about doing something, but your mind can give you fits. Yeah. Yeah. Your mind can argue yeah. against it. Your mind can give you 94 reasons why you shouldn't do it. It's not about mental peace. It's about follow the peace in your heart and never override what the Spirit is telling you to do in your heart. Never override it. So number one, he said, I go bound in the spirit. I'm committed. I'm in agreement mm -hmm. inwardly. inwardly. Number two, I'm willing to go not knowing. Where other men won't go, I'll go. Yeah. Yes. Number three, I follow the witness yes. of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Number four, he says, none of these things move me. What things? Being forewarned yes. about the opposition, mm -hmm. yes. the persecution. At every door of entrance into more anointing, mm -hmm more revelation, greater ministry. The devil is going to oppose that door. Paul talked about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 9. And he said, a great and effectual door is opened unto me, but there's adversaries at the door. If you want the door, you have to be say yes to the challenges that come with the door. Don't complain about the challenges. Just step over them and keep going. And this is what Paul was doing. He said, none of these things move me. So if we give wrongful attention to opposition, they can move us. They have the power, the ability to move us. We just decide. We choose. We will not be moved. Why? Too late. I'm already bound. Notice Paul started, before he started talking about the witness of the Spirit, before he started talking about the opposition, he already stated, I'm bound. I am bound to do what God told me to do, be where God told me to be, um, fulfill what God told me to fulfill. He said, none of these things move me. He chose that. He chose that. It didn't say those things left him alone. <laughs> That's right. yeah, yeah. 
right in the face of them not leaving him alone, he says, you're not moving me. You're not changing my direction. And the fifth thing he listed in that passage that helped him to arrive at the finish with joy is he said, neither count I my life dear unto myself. Meaning this, not even his life was as important to him as finishing the course of his race. He was not out there to get his own way. He was not out there to have his preference fulfilled and hope that God would do what he wanted him to do, what Paul wanted God to do. No, he says, I'm here to command. I love something Brother Copeland says. He says to God, I'm yours to command. You know, God doesn't give suggestions. He gives commands. And we need to treat them like commands, not treat them like suggestions. If, it's, if we approach it like, well, God told me to do that and we don't treat it like a command, we treat it as optional. And when we treat his commands as optional, we get in trouble. Not, not so much with God, but what God's trying to protect us from. The enemy would like for you to treat God's commands as a suggestion. Did you ever notice they're not t- called in the Old Testament the Ten Suggestions? It's called the Ten Commandments. Jesus said a new law. I give unto you a new commandment. I give unto you, not a new suggestion, the walk of love, that you walk in love. These are commands. What God has commanded in my life is a joy. It's not a hardship and I'm going to fulfill it. It's not optional. So this is what Paul said. Neither count I my life dear unto myself. My opinion means nothing. My preference means nothing because I'm after fulfilling the plan. I'm after what God has authored for me. I'm going to finish that with joy. Amen. So those are the five things that he took, the five ways he set himself. That's the thinking of a renewed mind. Those are the five things of how renewed mind thinks. Those are the five things that faith holds to of what, how faith acts, how faith responds in the face of opposition. Then the outcome and the result is finishing the ministry with joy. Uh, Let's look at James chapter one and verse two, James chapter one and verse two. And I'm going to read out of the Amplified Classic Translation. He writes, Consider it wholly joyful, my brethren, whenever you are enveloped in or encounter trials of any sort or fall into various temptations. Notice he says, what is our mindset and what is our spiritual posture to be in the face of trials, tests, temptations? We're to have a mindset of joy. We're supposed to tap into a flow of joy. Consider it wholly joyful. Why? Because we know the outcome before we even see the finish. Um, If I could say this, when he says count it, consider it wholly joyful, the King James says count it all joy. When you fall into diverse tests and temptations, it's not joy, so you have to count it joy. Why? Because we know what we're drawing on when we're faced with opposition. So count it a joy. A joy to get to prove that God's word works. It's an, every test is an opportunity for my faith to be more skillful, for my faith to be encouraged, for me to have the experience of faith, for me to have another testimony in my toolkit my spiritual toolkit of all that God has done for me because faith is connected to experience. So count it all joy. We notice this 
James says, count it a joy when you face tests and trials. Why? Because with every test and trial, God has provided a way of escape. The test and trial doesn't come from him, but the escape does. And he's telling you what's the escape out of difficult seasons, difficult places, joy. Meaning you can rejoice your what? You can rejoice right in the face of opposition. And even though your body and your location may be facing opposition, uh, your mindset isn't, your heart isn't, you exited. You know, I, I've always been impressed with Paul and Silas when, over there in Acts chapter 16. Remember they set a little girl free from the power of the devil and no one else in the city rejoiced about that. And they beat them. Paul and Silas threw them in prison. At midnight, they're chained to a wall. Their hands and feet are chained. At midnight, they prayed and sang praises. An earthquake came the doors of every prisoner falls, o- falls open. The chains fall off of them. And um, the jailer ran in. He was going to kill himself because he thought they had escaped. And he says, don't do yourself any harm. We're, we're still here. What do you mean you're still here? I don't know about you, but I'm saying if uh, my chains fell off, my door opens, I'm out of here, brother. They had faith enough to stay. They weren't in a rush to get out. Why? They had already exited through their praise, through their rejoicing. The door was just a a minor detail. The chains were just a minor detail. They had already exited that by faith. Yeah. This is why James says, count it all joy. When you fall into diverse tests and temptations, why? Because you can exit a place before you even leave it. How? By rejoicing. By rejoicing. By rejoicing. We know this, uh, the joy of the Lord is our strength. So joy is a conductor of the strength of God. When you get into joy, you just brought the strength of God into that situation. And when the strength of God comes, nothing's going to bind you. (laughs) Paul and Silas proved that. Every every test and trial, the exit road out of that is paved with joy. You get on the joy road, you get to exit. Until you're on the joy road, you got to stay there. That's why Paul said that I might finish my course with joy. I'm going to be rejoicing my way all the way to the end. Not only that, James tells us, count it all joy when you fall into diverse tests and temptations. It is because although the circumstances of tests and trials face you, they can't get in you if the joy flow is coming out of you. When something is flowing out, it can't, something else can't get in. So he's saying when you're faced with test or trial, get something flowing out. Get something flowing out so that that test, that difficulty doesn't lodge in you. Amen. Yes, we go through tests, but they, don't, they aren't not to get in us. Joy is the way to do that. Now, just because we're called, because every single one of us are called to something. God has a plan for every single one of us. Mm -hmm. And every believer has an anointing that abides within them to enable them, empower them, school them, teach them, assist them in this plan that they're fulfilling. But just being called and being anointing and being anointed does not mean that we're going to finish right. We have to finish right on purpose. On purpose. We won't float into the right finish. Amen. Then turn with me, if you would, to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 
in verse 6. He's writing, Paul is writing to Timothy. And note what he says, 2 Timothy chapter 4 in verse 6. Paul writes and says, For I am now ready to be offered. And the time of my departure is at hand. See, he knew his time of exit. He said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Listen, I like what he says, I'm now ready to be offered. Meaning none of this happens without my permission. No one else decides my end. I decide my end. I'm ready. And my time of departure is at hand. I have fought. Notice he didn't say I have floated. I have fought a good fight. And then he tells us what is that? I finished my course. I have kept the faith. We only fight a good fight if we keep the faith. If we lay down our faith, if we step out and don't use our faith, we're not fighting the good fight. Uh, We can only finish our course and fulfill the plan of God by keeping the faith. He says, I fought a good fight. I finished. Why? I kept the faith. How many times people as they went in in life, their faith got weaker. Their faith became less important to them. Their faith, they drew on less. And Paul says, I have fought a good fight. I finished how I kept my faith. (laughs) This is how we finish with joy. Amen. It is a faith race we're running, a faith plan that we're fulfilling. And it is the best life. Amen. Well, the reason we're even able to come and share some of these truths of the word with you is because of the generosity of a man by the name of Kenneth Copeland and Kenneth Copeland Ministries. Not only that, he has partners that have taken on the vision that God's put in his heart. And with the partners' generous giving, Brother Copeland has gifted to me and all the programmers on the Victory Channel this airtime. Have you ever heard of such a thing? (laughs) Leading the way, I've never heard of something like that. But Brother Kenneth Copeland is doing that along with the partners of Kenneth Copeland Ministries. And uh, what it means to us to be able to, 24 hours a day, turn on a channel and hear the Word of Faith taught. You never know when an emergency hour shows up and you're going to need to be refreshed in some truths of the word and you can turn on that that television. It means so much to us to be able to come to you this way. So I ask you, if you're not already, pray about becoming a partner with Kenneth Copeland Ministries because when you partner with him, you help programs like this keep going. You help other programmers to get the message out. And you know, the victory is in the message. Amen. Keeping that message coming into people's homes. So we ask you pray about becoming a partner with Kenneth Copeland Ministries. You can go to kcm.org and you can sign up. But until next time, remember this, Jesus is the healer. God bless you. To watch or listen to today's message and other messages by Nancy Dufresne, visit DufresneMinistries.org. God has provided a way for His children to have ongoing visitations from Him. But many Christians don't recognize these visitations. Your life will be changed as you meditate on the revelations in this book, Visitations from God by Nancy Dufresne. 
Order your copy now at DufresneMinistries.org. We invite you to join us for our annual camp meeting here at World Harvest Church in Marietta, California, June 12th through the 16th. Speakers include Nancy Dufresne, Jesse Duplantis, Jerry Savelle, and Bill Winston. For more information, please visit our website at DufresneMinistries.org. We trust you've enjoyed this message. Visit us at DufresneMinistries.org to learn of our upcoming meetings, share your testimony, submit a prayer request, or visit our online store. Thank you to the friends and partners of Dufresne Ministries for making this production possible.